Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the book of Acts with the recording in Scripture of the aftermath of Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Following Peter's sermon, the people were pierced to the heart and asked, What shall we do? Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he recounts Peter's reply in today's slice of this week's message entitled, Be Saved. Come with me, please, to the book of Acts, where, Lord willing, we will finish chapter 2 today. So far in this book, we've seen how Jesus gathered 120 believers in Jerusalem after He had already met with some in Galilee. And before their eyes, He ascended to the Father after He promised again for the final time that He was going to send the Holy Spirit. Then that group stayed together in Jerusalem. In the next several days, they prayerfully anointed a man named uh, Matthias and appointed him to fill the vacancy among the twelve apostles that was created by Judas Iscariot having walked away and then taking his own life. It was at the Feast of Pentecost, which comes 50 days after Passover, which means it was 50 days after Jesus was crucified, that was when the Holy Spirit arrived. And what an arrival it was. Started out with a sound like a a tornado or a hurricane, only there was no air moving. That started to gather a crowd. Then came this ball of fire that broke apart and distributed itself and rested upon each of the 120 who were there. But it wasn't a fire that is hot and consumes. It was a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third miracle that accompanied that arrival was uh, enabling those 120 people to begin speaking and declaring the great deeds of God, the mighty deeds of God, in languages that they did not know. So that all the people who had come to Jerusalem for that feast began hearing them say these things in their own languages. A big crowd gathered, not surprisingly, and Peter stepped forward along with the other eleven and preached a marvelous sermon. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 36. It was the first evangelistic, evangelistic sermon in the book of Acts. It was the first evangelistic sermon in the New Covenant era. Peter did a masterful job with that sermon, the highlights of which are recorded by Luke. He did a faithful exposition of three Old Testament passages. He started with Joel chapter 2 where he made the point that he made the point that this arrival of the Holy Spirit was the next step in the kingdom program of of God. And the death, burial and resurrection of the Messiah meant the Holy Spirit would now come upon those who believed in him. And Peter made the airtight connection from Joel's prophecy through what had happened that day to specifically Jesus of Nazareth. Next, Peter showed that not only had the prophets like Joel predicted what was happening, but King David had predicted the resurrection of the Messiah. 
He did that with a little exposition from part of Psalm 16. And finally, he showed from Psalm 110 that the Messiah would ascend to the Father. Now, the conclusion of Peter's sermon was unmistakable. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know. Now, he said that because his audience was 100% Jewish. It extends from there. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. To his Jewish audience, that was an earth-shaking declaration. Peter was asking his brethren to recognize they had been completely wrong about Jesus. Their leaders had told them, this man has to die. And today we're going to see the aftermath and the impact of Peter's sermon when he calls them to a whole new direction. Now, our text unfolds just as logically as did the sermon itself last week. So again, a a long outline, but we will move quickly through it. We're going to see the compelling question in verse 37, and then compelling answer number one, and then compelling answer number two, then a colossal response, changed lives, corporate testimony, and continuing evangelism. Well, Peter had them. they They were absolutely wrapped and they wanted to take the next step. So verse 37, now, when they heard this, heard what? God made this Jesus the Jew crucified your Savior and your Lord. That's what they'd heard. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? There's a Slightly better way that I would translate that question, I would make it, what should we do? The Greek is actually a subjunctive, and for the two of you that have a clue what that means, good on you. Um, But they're saying, what's the next thing that we really need to do? That same Holy Spirit who had produced those miracles of the the sound, the the fire, and and the languages... That spirit was now working individually in the hearts of thousands in that crowd, and they wanted to know the right thing to do. Now that they knew this Jesus is not one who must be killed, He is the Messiah. Well, they were pierced to the heart. Pierce is a word that occurs only here in the New Testament. It describes something penetrating, something sudden, something unexpected. Peter's words, which, of course, were guided by the Holy Spirit, indicted them for their heinous rejection of the Messiah. I remember, as if it was yesterday, what happened long, long ago, the first time I heard the gospel pierced to the heart is a good description of that, and I'd never read Acts 2. I didn't know Acts was a book of the Bible. Um, It it grabs you. It pierces you. And the right thing to, to ask is, What should we do? Now, that shows how the gospel works. When the truth of a person's guilt before God for their sin and for not yet yielding to the Savior, that pierces the heart. It brings you to that question, now what? Like Paul when he was knocked to the ground, or Saul when he was knocked to the ground in Acts chapter 9, Lord, what shall I do? Um, That is the right question. 
And in our passage, the answer comes twice, comes in different words. So let's look at compelling answer number one, answer to the compelling question, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, look inside yourselves and follow your hearts. He didn't say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He said, Jesus is Lord and He's the Messiah and He died and He buried and He rose again and He ascended to the Father and He's coming again. Repent. That's the most immediate and specific answer, repent. Repent means to turn away from the evil that you had done. Remember when God sent John the Baptist, the first prophet in 400 years? What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need to line yourself up under this king. So to repent means to turn away from the evil you've done. It means to abhor the sins that you've committed. It means to do a complete turnaround in your life and to humble yourself under Jesus' teaching. Repentance is fundamentally a change of mind which is so complete that it changes your direction. The Greek word repent, um, metanoia, the, the noun, metanoia, the verb, it means to, to think after, to have an, oft, an afterthought, to change the way you thinking, uh, that, that you're thinking. So true repentance encompasses, first and foremost, your intellect, it encompasses your will, and it encompasses your, mo- your emotion. Your intellect is affected when you realize the truth. Then we preach truth. Your emotion is affected when you recognize your guilt for what you have done and you, and you sense the appropriate remorse for offending God. Then your will is affected when you make the choice to do the right thing and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first way that a person who turns to Jesus Christ is to show that he or she has truly repented is the next command, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the sign, that's the outward demonstration that a person belongs to the group that follows the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a false kind of repentance when a person dreads getting in trouble, fearing the consequences of sin, but true repentance Dread sin itself. False repentance doesn't want to get in trouble. True repentance realizes that in order to face God, your sin has to be removed and forgiven. Something else Peter didn't preach that day was, you know, he gets us. Um, Peter didn't mince any words. God made Jesus Lord. They were pierced to the heart. What do we do? What do we do? Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. They didn't leave any room for, Peter and the disciples didn't leave any room for secret disciples. No, my friends, here we are out in public in the crowd in Jerusalem, right in the shadow of the temple, right in the headquarters of the, of the leadership of the men that told you to kill Jesus, and I'm calling you, no, turn around, repent, be baptized in His name. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.